Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I want to talk to you tonight from the Old Testament, and I want to give you 10 facts about any furnace of life you may ever find yourself in based on the, thor- the story of the three Hebrew children found in Daniel chapter 3. Oftentimes, when we read the Bible, we read it and we think, I don't know how this could possibly apply to me. Anybody ever felt like that? Especially when you're reading the begots. And so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so and so Oh, but even in those, occasionally, there's a hidden something from God. Whatever you're reading, did you know that the Bible is God's preferred way to communicate with you? Now, he will communicate with you. He will speak to you through teachers, through, through pastors like Alan. Through teach- He'll speak through worship leaders like Justin when we're singing songs. How many of you have been touched by the songs? You know, the Lord speaks to you, doesn't, doesn't he? You may come in here tired and discouraged, but by the time we're finished worshiping, you are energized by the Spirit of the Lord. He spoke to you through the music. But his preferred way of speaking to you is through his word. He put his word together through holy men of old, spoke and wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when you read the Bible, read it as a love letter to you personally from God and read it as an instruction manual to help you live an overcoming successful life because that's how he meant it to be. Now, the book of Daniel was written by, they they say it was written by Daniel, and it's basically an account of Daniel's life and captivity, but it really also includes these three other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, those are not their Hebrew names. Their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but we know them, don't we, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so that's the names we're going to use tonight. These young men were taken captive when they were teenagers, when Babylon took Israel captive. They took these young men captive. They were teenagers. They were from very upper-class families. They were well-educated. They were handsome young men. And so when they, when they took them into captivity, they pulled them out from the crowd, and they put them into the king's service, and they trained them to serve the king. So that's who they were. And the, and the book of Daniel is full of wonderful insights into the things that happened to them. But tonight we're going to look at a particular verse of Scripture it's not a verse, it's a whole chapter. Chapter 3, I, hopefully I'm going to get through. I have 29 minutes. Do you think I can give you 10 facts in 29 minutes? If I can't, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Because we get in trouble if we go over. I just thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> so if I get close, start waving at me, you know, and doing this. <laughs> so let's begin. Let's start our story in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. Okay, so he set up this image of gold. 
And he called everybody to worship it. Now, let me tell you what a satrap was, because I think that that's something that we're, that's not a word that I was familiar with. I had to look up what it was. They were the chief representatives in the province of Babylon of the king during the era of Nebuchadnezzar and also King Darius. During the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all satraps. So I don't know why Daniel wasn't at this particular time at this place because his name isn't here. I imagine when they told him what had happened to them, he kind of wished he had been there. And even though something terrible that looked like something terrible happened to them, as it turned out, he wished, man, that would have been exciting to have been a part of that. I imagine they talked about it over supper. Let's look at verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations, peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Jewish boys. They weren't just Jewish by birth. They were also devout Jewish boys. They loved their God, and they knew the commandments. They knew what Exodus 20 said. They knew that the first commandment was, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image of, of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. So they didn't bow down. Everybody else bowed down, but I imagine they looked pretty conspicuous. I don't know how tall they were, but even if they weren't as tall as me, they would be conspicuous if everybody else was on their face worshiping at a golden idol and they were just standing there. Now the other, you know, I think about what happened and I think obviously some of the other leaders of Babylon didn't like these guys. You know, when you really worship God, and you're a really good Christian, sometimes people don't like you. Uh, not with me, everybody loves me. But, <laughs> but there may be somebody who doesn't like you. <laughs> I once had a friend that said to me, you know, if somebody wanted to insult you, you are so dumb, they would have to walk up to you and say, listen carefully, I'm about to insult you. I think that's a good thing, don't you? <laughs> So let's see what happened when they refused to bow down. But there are some Jews. This is what they went to the, they went to the king and they said, there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. And so they, they went and, and they told on them. And, and they, you know, they told the king what had happened. They brought before the king, and the king brought them. I thought this was interesting. He gave them another chance. He must have liked them. Those guys didn't like them, but the king liked them. So he gave them another chance. He said, okay, we're going to give you another chance. And let's see what he said to them. And Shad, this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when he said, I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to do it again. We're going to play the music. Just bow down. That's all you have to do. Just bow down. Listen to what they said. They replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, now listen to this. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I just, this has nothing to do with the 10 facts. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you start defending yourself when God wants to defend you. 
There are times when people come against you when you need to back up and shut your mouth and let God. I'll give you a personal example of this. Years ago, when Art and I went to Lakewood, there was a lady that had come to my Bible study. She had a Bible study too. And she wanted me to do something. And I didn't feel that I should do it. And I, and I kindly said, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And it made her mad. And she told her ladies in her Bible study that I was a false prophet. Well, I didn't know that she, I'm not a prophet at all, y'all. I just, you know, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a prophet. But she told her ladies I was a false prophet. I didn't know it. I went to church on a Wednesday night. And the usher brought one of her ladies in. I had a really good seat. I was just second row center right in front of John Osteen. Real hard to get those seats at Lakewood, by the way, in case you didn't know that. And so this gal came in and the usher seated her right beside me. She said to me later, she said, I was horrified. I was sitting by a false prophet. And I probably greeted her and hugged her. And then she really was horrified. And John Osteen got up to speak. And it was so funny. He said, tonight I'm going to tell you how to recognize a false prophet. (laughs) And then he looked down and he said, now you take Billy Hunt. Well, I was horrified. Is he going to call me a false prophet? He said, I'm going to tell you. He got tickled when he saw my face. He said, it's it's okay, Billy. I'm going to tell everybody why you're not a false prophet. I didn't defend myself. I didn't have to. God did. The next day she arrived at my house, rang my doorbell, apologized, and told me what had happened. And, you know, she said, do you think that lady's a false prophet? I said, no, neither one of us are prophets. Uh, You know? Anyway, back to the lesson. <laughs> so let's, let's go back to our scripture now, and let's see the king's response. Next slide. The king's response, please. Oh, he was. Oh, I, this is it. I'm sorry, y'all. I thought we were at the last one. We will not serve your gods. We will not worship the image of gold that was set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, I think it's interesting, they made, it, they made you know that they were dressed, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and all their other clothing, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied fell into the flaming furnace. Now let's stop for a moment and let's think about some facts about furnaces. Here's the first fact. Everyone has furnaces. Every person in this room at some time in your life is going to go through a furnace type experience. You may not be thrown into a flaming fire, but you will go through something difficult. If you live long enough, you will have a problem. I always tell people, if you're married more than a week, you'll, <laughs> you'll find that marriage is difficult. If you've been married as long as Art and I, in a, in a week, we will have been married 57, honey? 58? 58 years. 58 years. 
So we've gotten pretty used to each other. <laughs> Job 14.1 says this. Man who is born of woman is a few days and is filled with trouble. That's a promise of trouble. And Jesus even gave us a promise in John 16, 33. He said this, in this world, you will have tribulation, trouble, trials, furnaces, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now, why do we have problems? Well, because we live in a fallen world, y'all, because there's sin all around us. There's demonic activity all around us. There's people who don't know the Lord all around us, and it causes problems. So right now, make up your mind that when you face a difficult situation, you're not going to be like a goose, or you're not going to be like a, one of those things that bury their head, ostrich that buries his head. You're going to realize everybody has problems. Everybody has problems. So um, that's, that's just something that we have to know. We, and this is another thing about that. People tend to think what they're going through is worse than anybody else's problem. You know, I mean, you don't understand what I'm going through. It's much worse than anybody else's problem. No, no, whatever you're going through to you is the worst problem. But it's not to everybody. There's always somebody that has it worse than you. What's happening to you is common to humanity. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But God is able to strengthen you and bring you to a place of rest and deliverance. So whatever you're going through, so I'm so sick, you don't know the disease. Well, there are people all over the world that are fighting disease. And look around, you'll find some that have won the battle. In this church, there are lots of people who have won the battle. So everybody has, has problems. Everybody has furnaces. Here's number two. You're not in this furnace because you did something bad. Now, sometimes we do get in trouble and, it, and we do things that cause us to go into bad situations. But especially in the case of three, these three guys, they had done absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, they had done everything right. They had refused to worship the gods of the land. They would worship no other god but Jehovah. They were not bitter. They were not angry because they had been taken into captivity. They, they were, and listen, these guys weren't just taken into captivity they, they had every reason to be bitter and anger, angry, but they weren't. They continued to walk in faith toward their God no matter what. You notice that they said, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him. Our God is able. We know he can. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him. That's a, that's a statement you need to write down somewhere and look at it when things are going wrong. If God fixes this, praise the Lord. If he doesn't fix this, praise the Lord. In everything, praise the Lord. Not for everything, but in everything, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, here's number three. Oh, by the way, before we go to number three, it is a fact that bad things happen to good people. Just because you're good doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. Here's number three. This is probably one of the most important of the ten. I want you to get this one. You might need to write this down somewhere to remind yourself later. God does not build furnaces and God does not throw you into furnaces. Bad things don't come from God. Don't get God and the devil mixed up. John 10, 10 makes it very clear. Jesus said, I, the thief has come, Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. That sounds like furnaces to me. But I came, Jesus came, 
that you might have life and that you might have abundant life. And Galatians 3 says, Jesus became a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings might rest on us. Now, what was he talking about? If you go back in the Old Testament, you can read this in Deuteronomy where it says, if you obey the law, then these blessings will come on you. And it lists all the blessings of obedience. Then it says, but if you don't obey me, all of these curses will come on you. So we could think that, oh, brother, we're living under a curse. No, Jesus, Jesus paid. Yes, we, we have to repent. Yes, we have to turn from sin. But don't expect a curse on you. That's not from God. That's from the devil. That's from the devil. Now, God doesn't build. In this case, an evil king built the furnace and threw them in. But I'm going to give you three sources of the furnaces that I've experienced. And they would probably be the three sources of any furnace in life you would experience. The first one is Satan. We know that Satan came to kill us, to steal from us, to destroy us. And there have been many times in my life he's tried to do that. you got to recognize who's, who it's from. The second source, I hate to tell you this, people. People do things that hurt you. People do things, and sometimes they do it on purpose. And so people can build furnaces. A, a king built this furnace, threw them in. But this is the source of most of my problem, the third one. In my case, most of the bad things that happened to me, I built my own furnace, and then I jumped in. And when I realized what I'd done, I cried, help me, Jesus. <laughs> And thank God he did. <laughs> thank God he did. While God does not build furnaces, while he does not throw you into furnaces, he wastes nothing. So God will meet you in your furnace just as he met these fellas in their furnace. And he will make you stronger in your furnace. He will. And that takes us to fact number four. Your furnace will reveal some things. Your furnace will reveal your confidence, your faith in God, or your lack thereof. When you hit a bad spot, when you're going through difficulty, when you're struggling in some area, your faith will either get stronger and you'll get hold of God and you'll press in or you'll back away, blame God, and maybe leave church. Shame on you. Because if you do that, you're going to stay in the furnace a lot longer. You need to press in. We learn much about ourselves in the difficult situations of our life, don't we? Difficulty will cause you to turn to God or to turn away from God. Let's look at Daniel 3.17. Listen to what they said again. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the image of gold that you have set up. We will not bow down. Now, this is what you've got to determine. You're going to praise the Lord. You're going to serve the Lord no matter what happens. You're going to believe God and press in to receive your promise. But whatever happens along the way to your receiving your promise, you're going to keep praising the Lord. Because praise destroys the yoke. 
Praise breaks the yoke of the enemy off of you. So you got to make up your mind that your furnace is going to reveal your confidence, not your lack thereof. Trusting God. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. (laughs) Trusting God is a decision. Did you know that? You decide to trust God. And it's, it's often a difficult decision, but it's never a bad decision. It's always a good decision. Recently, uh, a very good friend of mine was battling cancer. I've had cancer. And I was praying for her, and I asked the Lord, Lord, why, is it, why isn't she? I, I don't understand the difference. I don't understand the difference in get, my getting healed, Joy getting healed, Dodie Osteen getting healed, and she doesn't seem to be getting healed. I don't know the difference. And the Lord, the Lord really spoke to me. Not, don't try to judge her, but just look at your life, Joy's life, and at Dodie's life, and the difference in your relationship with the Lord and all three of you. You, you pressed in to know the Lord. You realized that you were in a bad situation. You didn't back away from it. You pressed into it and you grabbed hold of your faith and you began to feed your faith and grab hold of your God and your God delivered you. Now, don't judge people who don't get healed. It's not our business to judge them. But yourself, make up your mind that you're going to get healed if you get sick. If the devil attacks you, you're going to overcome. You can't control other people, even people that are close to you. But you can control yourself. You can make the decision, I'm going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to fight the good faith and I have faith and I'm not going to be defeated. Make up your mind. Whatever is happening to you, remember, there is hope for your future if you can retain your trust in God. In every furnace, every difficult, ask yourself these questions. Am I trusting another human? Am I trusting... And just my faith, my ability to believe, or am I trusting God? And you could even add this one. Am I trusting doctors or am I trusting God? Because the Lord, that's something the Lord dealt with me when I was battling cancer. You can't put your trust in doctors. You go to the doctors, you do what they say, but your trust and confidence is not in medicine and not in doctors. Your trust and confidence is in God. He'll do what they can't do. He'll cost what they give you to work because he's God. Only trusting God will bring you to a safe place of escape. Here's number five. You are not alone in your furnace. Look at Daniel 3 verse 24. I love this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They're unbound, they're unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. Wow, what a deal. Don't you know he was shocked? You know, we have to look at that from um, two different points of view. Most of my life, I looked at this particular place in the story from the point of view of those looking in how shocked they must have been. But let's think about it from the inside out. Think about those three guys. They're totally expecting to die. They know that the guys that threw them in are dead. They know they're about to die. They've probably 
probably been saying, I'm coming home, Lord. It's time for me to come home now. We trust you now to bring us into heaven. They threw him in the furnace. They fell down in the furnace. Now, can you imagine suddenly a hand reaches down and says, come on, let me help you up. And they look up and they're not hurting and they're not dead and they're, they're, their clothes are not burning. They're not on fire. And the person with them is the son of God. They say, how could that have been Jesus? I'm going to answer that for you. God lives outside time. We live in time. We're trapped in 100 years or 120, however long you're confessing you'll live. I'm confessing I'm going to live a very long time. But we're trapped in time. But he isn't. God can go backward. He can go forward. He can go sideways. He's God. And, you know, you say, well, I think it was an angel. You can think that if you want to. It might have been. When we get to heaven, we'll find out. But the king said it looks like the son of God. And so, the, and I think that's why Daniel was sort of disappointed that he didn't get to get thrown in the furnace. Because they, they got to meet face to face with the Lord. And so they're just walking around talking. Who knows what they're talking about? And the king looks in there and he says, I can't believe what I'm seeing. This is incredible. And you know what? Whatever you're going through, you're not alone either. Jesus has said, I will never leave you. I will never desert you. I will go with you all the way. When everybody else deserts you, he will stay with you. This wasn't the way they planned to be delivered. But boy, was it better than any plan they could have had. And God always has a better plan. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let our conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men will do to me. Our confession is very important in times of furnace, when you're in difficulty. And I, this scripture is so good because it says, he has said that we may boldly say, the Bible is filled with promises. He has given those promises to you. So when you get in trouble, you can fill your mouth with the word of God instead of your circumstances. And you can watch the power of God begin to move through the words of your mouth to change your circumstances. Oh, God is so powerful. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he will never leave you. I've got to hurry. Number six, you can experience deliverance in your furnace. Daniel 3.25, he said, I see four men and they're loosed, they're unbound, they're unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. So they got free. It's difficult to realize that bad situations can bring positive results, but it's true. Gold is purified in the fire. And I have a, a few things, I just have a little thing that I have marked here that I want to read to you. Crisis can cause us to turn to God and to seek him with all our energy. The result of this seeking is a greater spiritual awareness and it will bring freedom. God doesn't build furnaces. He doesn't throw you in, but he doesn't waste them. During your time of crisis, God will remove all of the bondages in your life and take you to a higher place of power. Number seven, your furnace will change you. I can honestly say, that every bad circumstance of my life has made me stronger spiritually. 
It'll change you. You choose how. Will it make you stronger? Will it make you bitter? Some people get bitter. Will it make you wiser? Will you learn from what you're going through? Will this problem make you more compassionate? I never was. I prayed for people that were sick before I had cancer. But after I had cancer, I really prayed for people that were sick because I understood. I understood what they were going through. Your attitude during the problem will determine the change that happens to you. Number eight, your furnace will not destroy you. You're not going to die. I'm sure these young men thought they were going to die, but they didn't. They didn't. Don't allow Satan to convince you that death awaits you. God has promised you life. Number nine, your furnace will end. You will walk out. Oh, say that with me. My furnace will end. I'm coming out. Oh, and I just love this one. And I love the last one even more than I love this one. But look at, look at uh, verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants, look what he calls them, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. Those guys that got them thrown into the furnace now are crowding around them to be their friends. Amazing, isn't it? Well, that's what happens. Every problem that you will ever face has a limited lifespan. Remember that. It has a beginning and it has an ending. When trouble persists in your life, it's easy to think it will never end. But listen to this scripture, Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And 2 Corinthians, I love this one. 2 Corinthians 4.18. You might want to read 2 Corinthians 4. I love this chapter. It's a powerful chapter. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. One translation says, subject to change. Whatever you're going through is subject to change. I often say that when I'm in a bad situation. This situation is subject to to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So don't get comfortable in your furnace. Don't build a house in your furnace. Ask yourself, does my conversation and my confession reach beyond the boundaries of my problem? Make sure it does. Make sure. Plan for the time when your furnace will end and always look beyond to the promise of God. Your situation can change. Your furnace will end. You will walk out. And number 10, I made it to number 10. I have two minutes. Promotion comes after the furnace. Oh, say promotion is coming. Listen to the end of this chapter. I love this. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. They defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And two things I want to point out in closing. God's, God will always bring a blessing 
after the enemy attacks you. But this is what I want to point out. That, that um, what did I want to point out? <laughs> that promotion comes, but not just that, God gets glory. God gets glory. God will, God will get glory out of what you're going through. You may not realize it, but he'll get glory out of it. I, I remember one time I was looking at the scar on my body from, uh, and it wasn't long after the surgery that I was looking at it, and I was not admiring it. And the, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said this to me. Whenever you look at that scar, I want you to remember that, that you defeated Satan, that you won the battle. And that scar is just a reminder of your victory. And that's what it's been all these years. It's just a reminder that I won. I won through the power of the name of Jesus, and so will you. God got the glory. God got the glory. Well, there may be somebody here tonight who's never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I don't want to close this evening. I don't care if I do go a minute over. I don't want to close this evening without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus. There may be somebody in this room that's really going through something difficult. And you say, I have, I have not really been pressing in to know the Lord. I'm away from the Lord. I need, I need to rededicate my life tonight. If either one of those things applies to you, I want you to just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We're just going to pray together. I want to pray for you. So just lift your hand all over the building. I see that hand. I, I see those hands all over the building. Yeah, yeah, we're going to pray together. If you, even if you didn't raise your hand and you wanted to, you can pray this prayer with us. We're going to ask the Lord to come into your heart. Receive the Lord in a new way for him to refresh you. To, if you've never been born again, to, to save you and give you a new created spirit. And if you need to rededicate your life, that this is the time to do it. So let's all pray together. We're all going to pray with you. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. As the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Add this to it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for ending the furnaces of my life, for strengthening me to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, now I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Strengthen us with your might and power in our inner man. Let your love be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you are about to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything we could ask or think as we turn our attention to you, as we get our focus off the, the problems, off the things that are attacking us, and get our eyes on you, Father. We'll walk out of every situation into the glorious power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.